0: You're listening to In Tune, a podcast series featuring equity research analysts from BMO Capital Markets. Our shows explore key emerging themes, trends, and issues which are important to our institutional clients globally.
1: Hello, this is Brian Belsky, Chief Investment Strategist at BMO Capital Markets. Welcome to our podcast that reviews BMO Financial Group's official COVID-19 coronavirus call for the week of May 19th, featuring Dr. John White, Chief Medical Officer at WebMD, and three subject matter experts from BMO Financial Group. This week, we're joined by Michael Gregory, Deputy Chief Economist at BMO Capital Markets, Ben Jeffrey, Fixed Income Strategist at BMO Capital Markets, and myself, Brian Belsky, just as a reminder, given that we're talking about medical information and you need medical advice, please directly consult your physician and or healthcare professional. Dr. John White is a popular physician and writer who has been communicating to the public about health issues for nearly two decades. Dr. White is the Chief Medical Officer at WebMD. In this role, Dr. White leads efforts to develop and expand strategic partnerships that create meaningful change around important and timely public health issues. Prior to WebMD, Dr. White served as the Director of Professional Affairs and Stakeholder Engagement at the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research at the U.S. FDA. Now, keep in mind that Dr. White is a frontline soldier with respect to the war on COVID-19 coronavirus as he continues to see patients in the Washington, D.C. and Maryland area. Here is Dr. John White and his comments again for the week of May 19th.
2: I always like to put things into context and start where we are with data. In terms of coronavirus cases around the world, we're currently at nearly 4.9 million cases around the world with over 320,000 deaths. In Canada, uh, and here's a a point to consider, that Canada is 14th in terms of all countries in a hierarchy of cases with over 78,000 cases and over 5,800 deaths. And you may have seen in the news over the past couple of days, uh, looking at those deaths, over 80% of those deaths have been in long-term care facilities. And there's really been an effort in Canada to address the safety of folks in long-term care facilities. So it's an important data point when you're thinking about uh, reopening and where things are around an entire country, province, or state. In the United States, with the most number of cases and deaths, there's over 1.5 million cases and 91,000, over 91,000 deaths. But I pointed out before, the numbers actually continue to change. New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Massachusetts, and California, so those five states, continue to account for over 60% of all cases and over half of all deaths. So that's something to keep in mind. What's been in the news over the past week or so, I'm sure you saw yesterday with Moderna announcing a phase one study or vaccines. Only 45 people, ages 18 to 50, who received three different dose levels of a potential vaccine. And then an additional 60 people over the age of 55 are currently being enrolled in the study, but we don't have information on those persons. And they used varying doses of the vaccine. And what they found is encouraging news, increasing immune responses, including boosting certain antibodies, these neutralizing antibodies, to levels at or below those seen in blood samples um, that were collected from what's called convalescent plasma. Remember, people that have recovered from the virus and have developed, vaccine uh, antibodies and the antibodies also included both the binding antibodies which attach to viruses but don't necessarily prevent them from infecting cells so they bind but the neutralizing bodies antibodies which they produce which most tests don't measure but remember this is in research which do block an infection and the US FDA has cleared the company to begin phase 2 trials and that typically involves several hundred people, and Moderna expects to start Phase 3 in July, which could include thousands of people. So this is progress, and this is an accelerated timeline, but remember, many uh, drug trials don't uh, proceed to fruition. There's challenges. We're talking about looking at 45 people versus millions, if not billions. There's a lot of talk about getting a vaccine by the fall. Is that realistic? I think we have to continue to look at data. Certainly, there's discussions around having it available for first responders. No one thinks that it's going to be widely available to everyone around the world. And, and various companies have talked about increasing production. But this is all still the hypothetical. I think we'll continue to learn more over the next few weeks. But it's encouraging data, but we also have to be practical and, and let history be our guide. Let's talk a little bit about reopening around the world. We're seeing it all over, including in Italy, uh, which has certainly been significantly impacted by the coronavirus. Venice has started to reopen. And here in North America, stay-at-home or shelter-in-place orders um, have been lifted in almost every state in the United States, and, and, and some provinces in Canada are starting to restrict um What previously were these locket, it um, stay stay-at-home and shelter-in-place orders for businesses we're starting to see those restrictions for businesses and public places really being eased up. And we have to think about expectations from a medical and scientific and public health perspective. Cases are going to go up. We know that. Cases are going up. And so are people returning out and about to work and in other aspects of society. And I mentioned we're seeing increased cases. And I I want to point out that it's a little bit more complicated than kind of the initial knee-jerk reaction. So the initial reaction, well, of course cases are going up because there is more testing. And that's true. But sometimes the increased cases are occurring in clusters. And we have to look at the data carefully from a public health perspective as we think about policy decisions. So what I mean by those clusters in Texas and some other states there were a large number of increased cases that were localized as many of you may have heard to meat packing companies um, so it wasn't truly across the entire state we've seen some events uh, large social events where people have become infected uh, by that so that's something to keep in mind um, what's really going to be telling is uh, Texas and some other States here in the United States are, are starting to um, put out guidelines revolving around sleep-away camps. So we'll see the public's appetite um, for aspects of activities for kids. We'll try to maintain social distancing and have some sense of normalcy. That's what we're really going to be seeing over the next few weeks. But what we also want to know besides those new cases we also have to look at positivity of test results. So what I mean by that is if you have a large percentage of cases that are positive from testing, large people are testing positive, that means you're not testing enough people nowadays because you're only testing the most serious people. And from an epidemiological standpoint, we want to have a larger population of people that we're testing So we really want to see it below 10%. And many states right now are still above 10% in terms of their positivity. So they're not testing enough people. I want to see hospitalizations, and that's pretty easy to count overall. And obviously see deaths. But I'm also interested in some type of acuity index. And we really haven't developed that yet. We're seeing some studies where we talk about the issue of comorbidities. We know most patients that don't do well, have comorbidities, heart disease, diabetes, cancer. But we'd love to think about some type of acuity index for patients. And we're starting to talk about that in the medical community. The other point that you have to remember in terms of what we're seeing in cases is there really is usually this 10 to 14 day, the period that we're behind. Remember this incubation period. So it's still a little too early to tell where we are in North America and to some degree around the world, because we're just starting uh, to tip our toes into reopening. But we are going to see more of that. Many of you are probably are familiar with you know this concept that we're having of this quarantine fatigue. The weather is getting better. People are starting to see some improvements. People want to get out and about and return to a new normal or perhaps a phrase I heard the other day was the next normal, the challenge is going to be, from a public health perspective, when we see a lot of folks without masks that aren't practicing social distancing, how is that going to impact your broader local community? Because in some ways, we're only as strong as our weakest link in terms of infection control. And and that's where we really need to get more focus on learning to live with the virus, while at the same time um, being able to have social distancing and being able to reopen the economy. I think what we're going to see is expanded testing. We're gonna see continued tracking of folks who have the virus and improved treatment options. So those are all good aspects. What we've also been hearing a lot about lately is a surge of antibody testing despite some recent discussions around accuracy of some of these tests, especially as it relates to individual decision-making. What we really wanna know is in terms of populations. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna be honest, I actually did an antibody test. So I felt I had some um, you know, fever several weeks ago and um, I went to do an antibody test, got the results back through a blood draw, so I didn't do point of care. I went in to a lab, uh, with high sensitivity and specificity, and the test came back negative. And I will tell you, I was disappointed. And isn't that crazy that in the setting of infectious disease, I'm disappointed that I did not have the infection? And the reason why I point this out and share this story is because in some ways, what are we saying? We're saying that immunity becomes a social advantage, right? That somehow then there's this idea that you know maybe you don't need to be as cautious. Maybe you can be uh, out there and about before other people. And I'm not sure that's the case because we do know that even with a positive test result, if you're testing millions of people with high sensitivity and specificity, there are going to be some inaccurate results. So what's the advice if you have a positive? That you do another test. We also have to think about the practicality of that. It's hard enough to do one test. Now we're going to do two tests. There's issues. It's not just the issues of the testing and the testing kits. It's the issues of the supplies, the gloves, the syringes, the vials, the, the staff. So we really need to think that through as we think about uh, testing strategies and they continue to evolve. But I wanted to throw that out there that in some ways uh, immunity testing and I'll tell you, there was a line there uh, that people waited in their cars. Um, in some ways, is becoming a, a social advantage. It's not just a curiosity. And I'm not sure if that's the right path in terms of thinking about that. The other aspect that I wanted to talk about is that elective surgery and dental procedures are resuming in many states. The issues about dental is, obviously, you're in people's mouth. There's perhaps respiratory spread, so we need to you know, be careful, but at the same time, there's a recognition of the social determinants of health. Um, it's about access to fresh fruits and vegetables. It's about access to being able to partake in you know, physical activity and get out and about, and at the same time, um, resume elective procedures. And Other folks have mentioned on other calls how the healthcare industry in the United States has lost a quarter of a million jobs in physician offices and healthcare practices have lost almost another quarter of a million. So as we start to rev back up, you know, is there concern that we have enough staff and personnel uh, to meet the need uh, for folks as we begin to resume. And then finally I want to remind people about what we're seeing, you know, a growing mental health epidemic. The issues of social distancing, loneliness, food insecurity, uncertainty is exacerbating the mental health of folks who already have certain conditions and then actually um, perhaps creating uh, a PTSD in in others. So it's certainly something that we need to be addressing. I think there's a greater recognition of the impact of COVID-19 on mental health and we're talking about the use of telehealth and and, and telepsychiatry, because we're seeing that the long-term health aspects of COVID-19, other than just having an infection, are going to be with us for a while. So we need to address the mental health. We need to address the weight gain that many of us are experiencing uh, being in. And I'll share later today a a survey that we did at WebMD that talked about 40% of respondents have said they've gained about eight pounds over the past few weeks. And if this continues over time, we're really going to exacerbate the obesity epidemic. But in, in closing, I'd say, despite all of this, we're, we're really seeing some and some light at the end of the tunnel. And I've used that phrase multiple times. And it's iterative. So it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we have a bright light. But we're, we're starting to see that because we're, we're seeing that um, we're having a reopening. We're trying to balance Multiple interests, and in many ways, it's going to be iterative. We're going to have some, you know, start and stop, but we have a pathway to move to the next normal.
1: Here are the primary conclusions from Dr. John White's comments this week number one, there are 4.9 million cases of coronavirus globally, with over 320,000 deaths in Canada. There are over 78,000 cases with 5,800 deaths, of which over 80% are in long-term care facilities. In the United States, there are over 1.5 million cases and 91,000 deaths, of which five states, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Massachusetts, and California, account for over 60% of all cases and over 50% of all deaths. Point number two, Moderna announced results from a Phase 1 vaccine in which 45 people in the 18 to 55-year-old age group received three different doses. Initial data was encouraging, showing that certain antibodies that block the infection were boosted. The FDA has approved Phase 2, which will include hundreds of people, and Phase 3, which is expected in July, will also include thousands of people. Point number three from Dr. White's comments. Reopenings are happening all over the world, and stay-at-home and shelter-in-place restrictions have been lifted in most states of the U.S. Quarantine fatigue combined with warmer weather is loosening social distancing measures, which at this point are still very important in slowing the spread of the virus. Point number four. With expanded testing, we will continue to see a rise in the number of cases. In other words, more tests, more cases. We are now seeing increases in clusters, for instance, meatpacking companies in Texas, and such patterns of increase and or acceleration will be an important factor in determining appropriate public health policies in the near term. Point number five. There is a surge in antibody testing, which means having the antibody or immunity will become a social advantage. Please note though, even with a positive test result, there can be inaccuracies. Final point, at the current juncture, Dr. White maintains his positive view with an iterative light at the end of the tunnel. Based on expanded testing, continued tracking of people who have the virus, improved treatment options and ultimately a new pathway to move to the new normal. Thank you so much for joining us. Please stay well and be safe.
0: Thanks for listening to InTune, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to InTune on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast providers. Or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more podcasts. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com slash public disclosure.